Proverbs chapter 8, indeed a chapter that is very precious to me. We are continually in this book dealing with the issue of wisdom. One commentator says about Proverbs chapter 8, he says, it is the praise, the praise of wisdom which has welled up at many points already, now breaks out in full flow in a sustained appeal of great beauty in immense range. So in the, in the book of Proverbs, we've already talked about wisdom. We've already seen wisdom mentioned in previous chapters, but when you get to chapter 8, the floodgates are open, talking about the wisdom here. Turn back right quick to Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20. Just, we'll just read chapter 20, chapter, I mean, Proverbs 1, verses 20 through 23. Listen what it says about wisdom. Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her saying, how long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded and scoffers delight themselves in scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. You know, I was mentioning to someone recently one of the things that I really believe when we start to look at issues that's happening in our country, issues that's happening within our homes, our communities, and all of these different things, you hear a lot of things as far as what the issues are. You get a lot of suggestions, a lot of, let me boil it down to this point and that point. Well, one of the things I would say that we don't focus enough on as being the issue, wisdom. And the lack of wisdom and the decisions that we make within our home, within our church, within politics, within life, when you're not guided by wisdom, then you're going to be guided by folly, foolishness, that which is wrong, that which is the wrong thing to do. Let's look at the first few verses here. Let's first look at verses 1 through 5. And I would just say, for these verses, we would say that wisdom, wisdom speaks to all mankind. Listen what Proverbs chapter 8, verses 1 through 5 says. Does not wisdom call and understanding lift up her voice on top of the heights beside the way where the paths meet? She takes her stand beside the gates at the opening to the city. At the entrance of the door, she cries out, to you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O naive ones, understand prudence, and O fools, understand wisdom. So here's wisdom calling out. Naive ones, simple ones, you do not have, you who do not have me, here I am. Come get me. Here I am, I'm offering myself to you. Now at times, people might not understand quite what wisdom is. So let me just give you a, a brief, short, a short definition of what wisdom is. Webster Dictionary defines wisdom according to this. It says, the ability to discern inner qualities and relationships. Insight, 
good sense, a wise attitude, belief, or course of action, marked by deep understanding, keen discernment, a capacity for sound judgment. All those different things now. Understanding, doing the right thing at the right time, the ability to discern good and evil, the ability to decide, look, this is the right course of action for me, not that. See, when you don't have that, when you don't have wisdom going on, then when it comes to life, more important decision, when it comes to just any decision, you can't be trusted. And there's going to be consequences for doing that. There's consequences for us not following wisdom. And notice wisdom is given to all mankind. It's not like it's subjective or that it's only for the few. No, wisdom is here making its call to all men. Notice what it says in verse 2, that it's on the heights. It's where the paths meet. So she's in a place, and here wisdom is spoken of as being personified like a woman, the same way we see in chapter 7 where the adulterous woman, she seduces with her seductive words, the adulteress, where she tries to get you to do the wrong thing, where here's wisdom calling you to do the right thing, and here she is making herself available at the paths, at the city gates, at the entrance, and verse 4 says, to you, O men, she calls, so that you don't have an excuse. You can't say, well, wisdom for this side over here, but it wasn't for this side over here. The wisdom was for this city over here, but it wasn't for this city over here. The wisdom was for this person over here, but not for this one. No, it's for everyone. It's for everyone. It has made itself available. God has put wisdom out there for us to receive this so that we would make the right decision. But you know what happens? We don't want to follow wisdom. We refuse to follow wisdom. The thing that we know to do is the very thing we don't want to do. It's almost as though, I, to give you an example, like they used to give the example of a child, you tell the child, don't do this, and that's exactly what the child does. Tell you, don't touch that, it's hot, it's going to burn you. Let me touch it. Let it burn you. Let me see what what this is going to do. Even though wisdom would tell you, well, if they just told me not to do this, well, I shouldn't do this. But we, on the other hand, we don't want to follow, or let's just say in people in general don't want to follow this. And notice in verse 5, it even makes the point of saying, understand, oh, naive ones, understand prudence. So you see prudence there also. You see wisdom and prudence. And those words are really synonymous in some sense. But when you look at the word prudence, prudence means the ability to govern and discipline oneself by the use of reason. So almost along the same lines of wisdom there, the, the ability to govern yourself. You're going to walk in a circumspect way. You're going to comprehend things. You're going to know what's going on in the way, again, that you should behave yourself. Now, when we look at these verses, though, again, wisdom has made itself available. We know it's there. We know it's there for our benefit. But if we don't do it, if we don't follow it, again, there's going to be consequences. Let's move on to the next verses, verses 6 through 11. I'm going to come back and go through a few of these verses, give you some additional scripture reference. 
But let's go through verses 6 through 11. I want to show you something here. Notice what it says. Listen, for I will speak noble things, and the opening of my lips will reveal right things. For my mouth will utter truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the utterances of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing crooked or perverted in them. They are all straightforward to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice is gold. For wisdom is better than jewels and all desirable things cannot compare with her. Wisdom speaks about what is noble and precious. And I want you to understand this right here also. And reading these verses, with wisdom, there is no wickedness. You ever notice how sometimes we want to give credit to wicked people? We want to say, well, you know, this wicked, even though they're doing this evil stuff over here, well, they're still wise. You know, they still, just because they might be doing this particular sin, just because they might be cheating on their wife, just because they might be involved in some unethical behavior, that has nothing to do with how wise they are, and we still can learn a lot from them. That's not what the Scripture is saying. See, wisdom and wickedness are on the polar ends, polar opposites. Because, see, the Scripture is going to tell you, once you start to fear the Lord, that is the beginning of wisdom. So someone who's not obeying God, someone who's not obeying the things of God, I don't think that person is too wise. I don't think the scripture considers that person too wise. Because if you are really thinking wisely, you'll be saying to yourself, even Jesus brought up this point. He says, what? Don't fear him who can kill the body only, but fear him who after killing the body, destroying the body, can destroy the soul also. See, you got to have the right perspective along these lines when you got to get the real, look, get the real perspective of what's going on. You need to have an eternal perspective where you don't get caught up in this world and start following the wisdom of the world. And that's difficult for us to do at times. But here's God's, and when you look at how God continually brings us back to what he will do for us if we would follow the way of wisdom. Turn with me to uh, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 7. Proverbs chapter 2, just flip over. Right quick, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 7. Amen? Notice what he says. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He didn't say he stores up sound wisdom for the wicked. He says he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. He is, he is, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Turn with me to Psalm 19. Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11.
Notice what these verses say. The Lord, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precept of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. As a matter of fact, that was going to be our getting to our next point as far as the, the rewards of wisdom. But you see again this idea of the word of God telling us that it's true, it's pure, and certainly then our lifestyle should be pure. It should be holy. It should be righteous. This is what characterizes, this is what characterizes a, a wise life. That's how I know if you want to see somebody looking, I mean, living a wise life, well, look to see if they're living a righteous life, a holy life. Look to see, look to see if the things that the Word of God is telling them to do are they applying those words to their lives? Now, this is where we can get a little stuck at because at times we know individuals might not be doing the wise thing. And as parents, some of you all, maybe not here, some of you all want to kind of make up for those that are not doing the wise thing, if you understand what I mean. So let's just say your child or your friend or whoever, they go out and start making some wise, unwise decisions. They go out and start doing some unholy things, living a life that's not holy, not righteous, and those things start to spring up. We're wondering what's going on. Why is this happening? Well, you're not doing the wise thing. You're not doing the righteous thing righteousness and wisdom go hand in hand. Let's go back to our passage again and just look again as far as how the words, how the scripture refers again to the, uh, the, the, the wisdom and how it distances itself from the unrighteous life. Notice again, verse 7, for my mouth will utter truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. Wisdom says, I hate wickedness. I hate it. It goes on to say in verse 8, all the utterance of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing crooked or perverted in them. And I love verse 9. They are straightforward to him who understands. Straightforward. It's not too difficult to figure out. Oh, that's, that's hot right there. Don't touch it. You know, I was talking, when I go out witnessing, one of the things that happens, you, you meet, meet individuals who want to hold on to doing certain things, and they always come up with different reasons, especially if it's not just spelled out in the Bible that you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. You know how they look for those loopholes so they can jump through? And one of those things I think that I really find interesting is their defense of things like smoking. 
smoke a cigarette. So there's nothing in the Bible that says directly, don't smoke cigarettes. I think there's enough, though, we can glean from the Bible that says that, look, you know what? Smoking is not something that God wants you to do. That your temple is the Holy, is, is your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then, better yet, let's just go with cigarettes warning itself. On the, on the, on the package, that if you smoke this, yes, you can get this, this can happen to you. We're telling you that you can get certain diseases or certain, we know that it causes cancer, we know all these things. But something still says to the individual, let me keep smoking. Now, do we really think that is something wise that we should be doing? But it's not just cigarettes. I mean, even when it comes to alcohol, gambling, even when it comes to our dieting. I know I have to watch it when we start to talk about dieting and our eating habits. But now notice, I'm not saying to you, just because you might be overweight or there might be some issues for your health, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when the doctor tells you, look, you know if you keep eating this and eating like this, you know this is going to kill you. Yeah, I know, but don't keep eating like this. You know if you don't cut back here, what's going to happen? You know diabetes, heart disease, all these things. Yeah, I know, but don't keep eating like this. Now, I ask you, church, does that sound wise? Maybe that's just me on that. Maybe that's just me. I don't think. But wisdom affects all of our decisions. Even, even when it comes to mates. Notice one of the other things we bring upon ourselves. And people want to say, and I think it's always interesting when you start to bring the whole wisdom factor into choosing spouses. People will, will have you to believe that, well, Look, when I married this person, they were a saint. All these different things that's going on now, what's going on when I first met him? Or when I first met her? All of a sudden, once we got married, everything changed. I was talking to one friend once, and she was t telling me that her husband hits on her. He's abusive. And she wanted to get a divorce for that. Well, I said, you can't get a divorce for that. I said... Now, you can separate from, but there's nothing the Word of God says that you can get a divorce for physical violence. Now, again, I'm not advocating physical violence. I'm just saying what, the, what I believe the Word of God teaches clearly. So the person said to me, well, I should seem like to be, I should maybe get a divorce for this. I don't believe God would want me to stay in a marriage or want me married to a man who would hit on me. So I asked her this question. I said, can I ask you... Was he hitting on you before you all got married? She said, no. I said, so not one time did he hit you? Well, he did hit me, but, you know, he didn't hit me, hit me. But he did hit me. And so my point is, in bringing up such an example, is that we see some of the things beforehand where wisdom would tell us now, if he's hitting me now, when I go into the marriage, I shouldn't assume that he's getting ready to stop hitting me in the marriage. So, again, we just see how wisdom affects all of these different things. One other thing I want to bring out in this section here is when it comes to our, I would say, lack 
of intensity when it comes to wickedness and our fight against wickedness. Now, some of you all might say, now, what, what am I talking about when I go down this road? Notice what the scripture says in verse 7, for my mouth will utter... For, for my mouth will utter truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. And so you see this dislike that wisdom have, has towards that which is unrighteous. Oftentimes we can find, even throughout the Scripture, that the Bible is going to bring us back to the idea of God hating that which is evil. And I'm saying then, since... The Bible teaches us that we should that we know that God is not in favor of that which is evil. Then we also should have that same type of let's not say necessarily hatred toward individuals, but hatred toward that which we know is wrong. Let me give you a quick example. What I mean, turn with me to Psalm 139. I want to see what you're going to do with this verse. Psalm 139, verses 21 through 22. And we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves when I wanted to touch on this, but I, since I saw, see it here also, I want to bring it up now. Psalm 139, verses 21 and 22. Notice what, what the psalmist says here. Do I, do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise against you, I hate them with the utmost hatred. They have become my enemies. What is the scripture saying there? Is the scripture really telling us that we should hate those who hate God? That we should loathe those who rise up against God? I am telling you this, that I don't believe that we should go around believing that we're in some sense not in a spiritual war. That, look, the enemies are bold, they are arrogant, they are not playing with you. This is serious warfare for them. And it seems like to me at times Christians have the mindset that we just out playing tag. When all at the same time, Satan and his adversaries, they're in full battle, battle mode. It's not somewhat of like this friendly, friendly scrimmage that's going on. Even if you look at verse 13, we're going to eventually get there in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance. And the evil way of the perverted mouth I hate, says wisdom. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Do you really hate it? Or you just really just kind of dislike it? You know, it's not what I, it's not my preference, but I don't really have a big issue with it. You know, I, I told someone recently, they're saying about Christians, saying, well, you know, Christians, what well, we know you guys by now is what you, you don't agree with. You don't agree with this. You don't agree with that. You got an issue with this. You got an issue with that. You got an issue with everything. And you know what my response is to that? Yes, I do. I got an issue with almost all the stuff that the world is doing. Yes, I got an issue with it. 
Yes, that's me. That is me. So, yes, do I have an issue with, with gay marriage? Got an issue with it. Got an issue with abortion. Got an issue with it. Got an issue with all of this sexual images and all this stuff just thrown at you, thrown at your children. The world just increasingly just, just coming up on you with all these different things that's unholy, that's unright. Yes, I got a problem with it. I do. Guilty. Right here. I do. Now, if the world started doing some things that I would agree with, then I would be for more things. But it, seeming, it seems to me that the world is increasing and becoming more vocal and bold in the things that they're doing. So now should I just say, well, look, no, you don't really want to have an issue with that. You know, you want to let that, that whole gay marriage thing, like you don't want to be judgmental. You don't want to, you, you know, come on. You know what they'll tell you? You need to find another battle to fight. After long, after a while, you start losing enough battles, there's no more war to fight. We've, give, we've been giving up everything. They're, they're constantly, they want more, they want more, they won't stop. One, one good example on that, and I know I'm somewhat off track here, but the whole Boy Scout thing, I mean, do you all really believe that the wise move on the Boy Scout part was, okay, this is the wisdom that's coming from the world for the Boy Scouts, for instance. These are, you know, they're, they are board members. These are, I would imagine, some millionaires that are sitting on companies, company, big company boards and all this. And so they're on, the, the, you know, the Boy Scout and, and making certain decisions. And then they put the vote to the, to, the, to the Boy Scouts at large. And this is what the Boy Scouts come up with, this wise decision here. We're going to say that you cannot, you, can, you cannot be gay and be a teacher or not be a scoutmaster, but it's all right for us to say, well, you know, as far as accepting gays, you can be open gay. That's not an issue. Now, do you really believe that the other side is going to stop there? Do you really believe they're going to say, you know what? Now, that's enough Boy Scouts. If you've come, across, if you've come that far, we're good now. Anyone believes that? No, no, no. But that is where we are. That is where we are. All right, coming back. So we, we, we've gone through verses uh, 1 through 11 so far. So we get ready to go through uh, uh, verses 12 through 21. And so now remember the first thing we said, wisdom's called to everyone. And then I didn't give you a, maybe a title for the next section, verses 6 through 11. And this is just wisdom's virtue. You see the good things about wisdom. Wisdom is about goodness, righteousness, doing the right thing. So we see that about wisdom. And now we get to verses 12 through 16, or maybe, let's, just, let's just say 12 through 21, wisdom's rewards. Wisdom's rewards. Let's look at these verses. Notice what wisdom says here. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. I'm at verse 12. And I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance, the evil way, and the perverted mouth. I hate counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am, un I am understanding, power is mine. By me, kings reign and rulers decree justice. By me, princes rules, rule and nobles, all who judge rightly. I love those who love me, and those who diligently seek me will find me. Riches and honor are with me. 
enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even pure gold, and my yield better than choicest silver. I walk in the way of righteousness in the midst of the path of justice to endow those, endow those who love me with wealth that I may find, fill their treasuries. You see the benefits of wisdom there? You see the rewards for walking in wisdom? There's just certain things that come along with this path. Now, I'm not trying to say to you, and these are general principles, now, I'm not trying to say to you that if you follow the Bible, follow the teachings of the scriptures, that you're going to be rich, that I can guarantee that you're going to be rich. But there does seem to be this indication from scripture that if you follow this way, this path here, this is the path where you're going to be blessed. I can't uh, tell you exactly how the Lord is going to bless you with what all he's going to bless you with. But I can tell you this, that there's more for you as far as God's blessing over here on the path of wisdom than you're ever going to find off the path of wisdom. That to take that road over there and believe that you're going to end up in good, that right is getting ready to happen to you, that the blessings of God is getting ready to be there for you, that's foolishness. And that's what people really want to believe. They want to believe that somehow I can continue doing the wrong thing. I can continue making bad decisions, bad judgment, parents warning them, pastor warning them, uh, others are warning them, friends or whoever, warning them what the consequences are. And somehow we still want to believe that I'm going to be able to reap certain benefits from doing the wrong thing. I was talking to my younger brother uh, not long ago and just warned him about certain things. Just warned him of something about his job and, look, brother, you don't want to do this. If you keep going down this path, this is what's going to happen to you. Sure enough, it did. Sure enough, it did. Do you know what my brother told my mother? You know what his comment was as far as what I said? I jinxed him. That's what he got. That's what he, that's what he took from the situation. That if I wouldn't have said anything, then it would have been all right. But the only thing, look, that's the only thing he took from that situation. So all the advice I gave to him, I went to him, brother to brother, man to man. And I, and I, and I'm, I know some of the, my, my, my fellow men here know that it's not the easiest thing talking about going to your younger brother and talking about having a man to man, heart to heart talk, one of those talks. You know, you saw we're putting yourself on the line. And so, you know, I said, but I got to do this. So I humbled myself, went to my brother all at the same time, knowing the, the life that my brother was already living, knowing I, at the same time, Lord, you know, is this really what you want me to do, Lord? But I'm convicted, so I, I want to go to him. Have this talk with him. I know that I gave him sound, wise advice. I know it. It's lining up with the word. It's just that clear cut. And sure enough, the consequences that I told him was going to happen, happened. And the only thing he came up with again was, you know what? He jinxed me. If he wouldn't have said this. And I tell you, this is what's going to happen with those who don't want to take accountability for their sins, who don't want to take accountability for the choice that they're making. 
even to the point that at times they'll point the finger back at you. And you know parents and whoever else may have friends, loved ones, whatever. All of us made mistakes. All of us could look back at a time and say, you know what? I could have gave better judgment here. I could have did this a little bit different here. But don't carry that weight around. When they want to stay out making foolish, silly decisions, and they want to bring their folly back onto you as though, oh, you are the cause. Now, unless you are still telling them something that's against God's word or contrary to God's word, there's no way I will own up to that. No way. And we're going to eventually get to that in chapter 19, also, I mean in chapter 9, when I think it's very interesting when we get to uh, a, a, a certain scripture there, and we're going to, God willing, we're going to get there. All right. But so we see the, the, the benefits of wisdom. We see how if you do this, notice what, what uh, verse 19 says, verse 18 and 19. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even pure gold. My yield better than choice of silver. So you think it's better to, to pursue money? You think it's better to have the gold? Wisdom said, no, it's better to have me. Now, you don't hear that too often, do you? You know, you don't even hear parents really directing their children to pursue the path of wisdom. You'll hear, look, we, oftentimes we see the dollar being the end results of everything we do. It's, it's the money focus. So instead of the wise choice, let's make the money choice. I even know parents that have advised their daughters to have an abortion because they would say, you know what? That's going to hinder your future. Christians. And they say it's wise. No, the scripture clearly points out to us that the wise thing is to follow the way of righteousness. Notice verse 20. I walk in the way of righteousness in the midst of the path of justice to endow those who love me with wealth that I may feel their treasures. All right. So there we have the rewards of wisdom, verses 27 through 31. I mean, uh, starting at 23. Make sure here. We're going to deal with the, with the work of creation, but going on down to verses 23 through 20. That's 23 through 31. Let's look what it says. Notice what wisdom says from, well, verse 22. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, before his works of old, from everlasting I was established, from the beginning, from the earliest of times of the earth, when there were no depths, I was brought forth, when there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills I was brought forth, while he had not yet made the earth and the fields, nor the first dust of the world, when he established the heavens, I was there. When he inscribed a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when the springs of the deep became fixed, when he set for the sea its boundary so that the water would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, there I was beside him as a master workman, and I was daily his delight rejoicing in the world, his earth, and having my delight in the sons of men. Here is wisdom saying this. When God created the earth, I was right there. 
God made this world in wisdom. And that's why it's always interesting when you start to think about the evolutionists and the people that just want to say the, the Big Bang, that they don't want to see a hand, a designer designing things. They don't want to see the majesty of the creation itself, the wisdom that is even displayed in creation. Notice that's what wisdom says through these verses 22 through 31, that I was right there. God in wisdom, he's operating in wisdom. Some even believe, and I don't hold to this, but some even believe that these verses was a reference to Jesus Christ. Now, I don't hold to that position, but nevertheless, I do hold that in wisdom, God did create this world, that we see a hand, a wise hand creating. It's not some random events that happen. It's not some big bang. It's not something that simply evolved. No, you had a creator who intentionally, purposely designed, he created, he built in wisdom. Wisdom said, I was right there before anything got going. I was right there. So we see wisdom, the work of wisdom in creation. Last thing, verses 32 through 36, before we get to chapter 9. We're going to move quickly. Wisdom pleads and promises. His plea, wisdom pleads and promises. Notice verses 36, 32 through 36. Now, therefore, O sons, listen to me, for blessed are they who keep my ways, heed instruction, and be wise, and do not neglect it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, watch, waiting at my doorpost. For he who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me injures himself. All those who hate me love death. Isn't that something? Here is wisdom, again, pleading with people, pleading with individuals. Heed instruction. Be wise. Do not neglect me. Pleading with you. Get me. Get wisdom. It's important that you get this. It's important that you apply this to your life. Because if you don't, well, verse 35 says, verse 34 says, blessed is the man who listens, listens to me, watching daily at my gates, uh, waited at my doorpost, for he who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. We see that reward again. We see, we see that idea of that promise being to you. This is God's favor. But verse 36, but he who sins against me injures himself. All those who hate me love death. Wisdom says, now, when you go against me, the only thing you get ready to do is hurt you. When you think that you can go against the wise path and that there's not consequences for that, and notice this, serious consequences, serious consequences. Notice what it says, but he who sins against me injures himself, all those who hate me love death. Is that what is that can very much happen following these paths? Haven't you seen people just doing some unwise things? 
and the effects that it has on those around them. One of the situations I keep seeing happen is, just to give you one example, young ladies who will leave their children with, uh, let's just say their boyfriend, who obviously cannot handle taking care of kids, and then you see on the news that the boyfriend has done something to the child, beat the child, killed the child, just unwise. But you see what I'm saying? Just unwise things that we do, simple things that we do, even the decision to say, look, who should I let keep my child? If you make an unwise decision there, the deadly consequences, drinking and driving. Just another deadly, deadly consequence. And I did it. I did it. I was younger. Just crazy. I'm just saying just straight out of my mind, crazy. It was foolish. Thank God I wasn't a Christian then. But you understand what I'm saying? Just simple things that we do in the moment, in that moment, when you make that unwise decision, it can change everything. Everything. You see, I, uh, you know, one thing I can tell young people, I know we want to tell our young people, have fun. Look, they're young. They're going to be silly. They're going to do crazy things. And when they do those crazy things, sometimes those crazy things happen to them in such a way that it causes them to lose their life, causes them to make decisions or things to happen to them that they may be paying for the rest of their life for if they don't pay with it with their life. All because you didn't follow the path of wisdom. Before we go to chapter 9, any questions on that? Any comments? Anything somebody wants to get off their chest regarding the wisdom? I mean, it's some Serious stuff, and we, I think, again, we, we start to think about which we don't really factor in enough. We don't really look at it enough to say, am I really being wise here, Lord? Am I really doing the things that you want me to do? Am I really doing what, what Jesus Christ would have me to do as a Christian, living a life that's going to glorify God? And I don't think we focus on that enough. Now, going on to, to chapter 9. Now, I think chapter 9 is, is one of those chapters, when you look at it, it, it kind of breaks up very neatly. And uh, one commentator says it like this, rival feast, where you're going to have some, uh, two invitations going out, the invitation to uh, wisdom and the invitation to folly. In the midst, though, it says something, and at times, some do not see the connection between these verses, but I want to show you the connection that the Scripture points out in these verses. But first, let's look at the first, the first few verses here uh, in chapter 9. Hold on one second. All right. Notice what it says. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out seven pillars. She has prepared her food. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maidens. She calls from the tops of the heights. 
from the top of the heights of the city. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says, come, eat of my food, and drink of the wine I have mixed. Forsake your folly and live and proceed in the way of understanding. So now we see here's, here's wisdom giving her an invitation, similar to what we just seen again in chapter 8, where wisdom is setting everything before you, beckoning you in. Come here, I'm giving you an invitation. Come and receive what I got. This is an invitation that has been given to all. So it's not, again, like it's for the select few. No, it's not for the select few. It's for everyone. But now notice what happens in verse 7, though. So we see this we see, we see uh, the invitation, verses 1 through 6. But notice what happens in the next few verses. He who corrects a scoffer gets dishonor for himself. And he who reproves a wicked man gets insult for himself. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me your days will be multiplied and your years of life will be added to you. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you, al you alone will bear it. Then verses 13 through 18, if you're ready to get into Father's invitation. But these verses here are somewhat we would call the consequences of the invitation. That if you choose one or the other, there's consequences to that. The scoffer doesn't want to hear you. The scoffer is the person that derives wisdom. He has an issue with it. He doesn't want to hear it. I'm sure you've met those people. I'm sure you probably got family members, friends. You try to tell them certain things that you know is right. You know what the word of God says. It's clear. It's plain. It's straightforward. But what do they do? They mock it. They don't want to hear it. They sneer at it. Maybe even get mad at you. Maybe even call you a couple of names or two. Go to another family member, talk about you behind your back. That's what they'll do. The scoffers. Now, the wise person adds to his learning. You correct the wise person, they have no problem. You go to them and say, look, brother, sister, look, this is not something you should be doing here. The Bible clearly tells you that, look, this is the way you want to treat your wife. This is the thing you want to do when it comes to your money. Maybe you don't want to do this because of this particular action. They like, they like thank you, brother, and, and, you know, and go along with it. They're not mad. They are grateful. Appreciate that type of, at times, maybe even a rebuke. But certainly you don't expect the Christian, if you're pointing out certain things that are true according to the Scripture, to be mad, mad that you're hot. Then they say they're still Christian and that, look, this is just the way, and I love this phrase again, well, that's just the way I am. Well, even other people start to defend, that's just the way they are. When you clearly point out to them what the word of God says, verse 10 again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, 
And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding so that you should be fearing the Lord. So if I'm pointing out things that line up with fear of the Lord, and believe me, there's not enough fear of the Lord going on. You know, I believe in, you know, I like when we say it like this at times. Well, you know, fear means reverence. Yeah, it does. Fear means we, we show reverence to God. But fear also means fear. I fear the Lord. I'm, I'm afraid of certain things that the Lord will do to me if I start going down this path. I know that the Lord will discipline me. The scripture tells me he will discipline those he loves. I'm scared of that. So I want to be careful how I treat my wife. I want to be careful how I treat my neighbor. I want to be careful things that I'm doing in the church. I want to be careful with my relationships. I want to be careful with all these different things. I, I want to be mindful of these things because the Lord will handle his business. Amen? And it's not just this idea of, well, I reverence him, unless you're telling me I reverence him in such a way that I recognize this holy God will discipline me. I respect him. I love him. I fear him in the right sense. That's knowledge. That's showing some understanding on your part. But if you're telling me, well, I keep doing this. The Lord knows what's in my heart. He's all right with me. He knows no one is perfect, so I can continue my sin. I continue doing this and that. That's not wise. But coming back to the point I also wanted to bring out is for us the consequences. Notice verse 12. Notice what verse 12 says. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. And if you scoff, you alone bear it. Going back to the point that I made earlier, you know what happens at times when we want to do, when certain people scoff at the truth, they don't want it, they don't want to hear it. You can't tell them anything. Then the consequences come where they should bear it, what do we want to do? We want to step in for them. We don't want them to bear the consequences of the sin or the unrighteousness or the unwise things that they've done. We want to soften the blow for them. When the scripture's saying, look, you did it. You want to go spend, spend your money on the casino? You want to spend your money on drugs? You want to spend your money out doing whatever on carefree living? And then your bills need to be paid. So since we've saved up over here, now we got to reach in our pocket to cover up for what you've done. Now, the sad thing about this is this right here. Some people think that's wise. Some people think that's loving. Now, am I saying that you shouldn't help people that are involved in such things? I'm not saying that you can't ever help anyone that has fallen on hard times. That's not my point. But I am saying we have to be wise about what's going on and understand what the Scripture says. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. That's what a lot of people have done for themselves. They've been wise. They've made right decisions. They put up money. They did this. They did that according to the Word of God, and they reaped the benefits of it. One commentator, I think it was John MacArthur, said this. Well, maybe not. It wasn't MacArthur. It was another commentator says, you know, this is one of the verses, one of the few verses in the Bible that speaks of individualism, the idea that, look, you know what? You do it, you reap from it. You reap what you sow. This is basically somewhat of that principle. 
And so when you go out here and you scoff at the truth, you scoff at wisdom, then you bear it. Don't expect someone else to bear what you're doing wrong or the unwise decisions that you made throughout. And I think at times we need to make sure that we are allowing the hand of God to work in individuals' lives where they really can see just how foolish of a decision they make. You know, that was one of the things that happened to me. One reason why I don't think I woke up or how, uh, let me just say it like this. God used certain things that my mother couldn't even bring me out to bring me closer to him. You know, sometimes when you got others around you and you're making all your foolish decisions, it doesn't seem so foolish because you still got a roof over your head. You still got a full stomach, still got everything going on. So if I go out here and just do something real crazy, real silly, I just wait till the next paycheck that I got or this or that. It's not really that big of an issue. But then when something happens that parents can't take care of, and that's what happened to me. Mom, dad, can straighten this one out. So now my foolishness has caught up with me in such a way that the only thing I could do now is, Lord, help me. Lord, bring me out. Lord, if you don't do it, it won't get done. And I tell you, that'll bring you to your knees. When mom and dad are no one else, friends, loved ones, where they can't step in for you. And the only person you got to turn to now to God to bring you out, that's what God wants. Amen? Is that wrong for us to be totally dependent and relying on him? Recognize, Lord, it's only by your hand that my foolishness now, Lord, I see how wretched I am, how broken I am, how messed up I am, and how my own decisions, my own unwise things have all come upon me because of me. Verses 13 through 18, finishing up. So we see the invitation of wisdom. We see the consequences here that if you look, the wise does this, the uh, scoffer is going to do this. Then verses 13 through 18. The woman of folly is boisterous. She is naive and knows nothing. She sits at the doorway of her house on a seat on the high places of the city, calling to those who pass by, who are making their paths straight. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks understanding, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he who does not know the dead, but he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol, the depths of the grave. You know what I found interesting? Look at verse 4. And verse 16, chapter 9, look at verse 4 and verse 16. Here are both invitations. Here's wisdom and folly. Here's the wisdom and foolishness. Notice wisdom in verse 4. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says, come. Verse 16, here's foolishness talking. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks understanding, she says, so here's both of them making their pitch. Both of them tell you the same thing. Turn in here. So you have to make a choice. You have to make a choice whether or not you're going to be wise or whether or not you're going to be foolish. 
whether or not you're going to take the path that God says is the straight path that's understood for you, are you going to say, you know what, let me continue to do the unwise thing and pay the price for that? Because this I can guarantee you, you will pay the price for foolishness. I'm a living witness. You will pay the price. Scripture warns you. Scripture tells you that there's a price to be paid. On the other hand, there's a reward to be received for following the way of righteousness, following the way of wisdom. It's just that simple. It's not that difficult to figure it out. We might want to make it complicated, but it's not that complicated. People might try to say, well, I just don't understand. I, I hear this all the time. I really don't know. You know my answer to that? Oh, you know. You might not want to do it, but you know. We're not faced at times with so many of these deep theological questions where I'm asking you about premillennialism. I'm asking you about eschatology. I'm not asking you those kind of questions. We're not posing those kind of questions to, to our loved ones, friends. We're just saying, look, that's wrong and that's right. Do right. Don't do wrong. I don't know. Real tough. It's not that tough. And when we make excuses for them, when we try to say, well, look, they just can't do the right thing, they can do right. You had to do right. God expects you to do right. He expects them to do right. He expects me to do right. Those are your choices. The wise choice or the foolish choice. Amen.